0: Let, let, real quick, here we go. One more time. It's your boy, Stein. This is Shut Up Stein, back from hiatus. Uh, we just recorded about five minutes of content and then realized that it may not have been recording. We are 100% recording now. And today's episode is about scuffology. And to do that, I've got Sean Steffi and Tom Gannon in the first part of what will certainly be a multi part series on scuffology. We Briefly talked about the, the history of quote-unquote scaphology and concluded that it was pointless to, to go down that rabbit hole. But largely, the quote-unquote knife ball can be credited to a guy named Russ Heim. And I had just asked our first guest, Steffi, if he could explain his, his history of scuffology, his resume, if you will. So we had just started that. Steffi, if you would be so kind as to take it away one more
1: time gladly sharing here absolutely though we're going to miss out on your history james as you mentioned sandpaper balls and working your way up to a knife and um yeah i, I think i'm pretty similar i think i used brick and asphalt initially just to scuff waffle balls and then uh, my dad got me a hunting knife which was barely used for hunting but used plenty on plastic and um i think eventually it was just a different thing you know challenge yourself every every couple of days every couple of weeks let's try circles let's try boxes let's try lines and odd manners and ruin a couple dozen balls on the process. That was my method kind of just practicing on my own. Um, although I do think when I was kind of performing well uh, on the circuit, I think side scuff was probably my most beneficial thing because I think it was different. I think Ben Stant once told me that my slider goes down as compared to up because of the side scuff. And I, it's something on my end as a pitcher, I never really noticed. So, Mm -hmm. um, there's just interesting parts. And, um, it's always cool to see from another pitcher what they do to get maximum movement and what that maximum movement looks and feels like to them. So any chance I get to Yeah, go ahead.
0: Let, let me pause you right there. So for some folks who you know just pick up a ball and throw it, can you talk a little bit more in detail about what you
1: mean when you say side scuff? Mm-hmm, sure. Um, so starting out with brick, mortar, whatever, that's like a mm-hmm. scrape. Um, I've learned over the years to not just make straight cuts, but also use the side of the knife to either scrape or to use the tip of the knife to what we call paint. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. really good pitchers in this day and age that do that very very well. Um, the list is quite lengthy, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know who came up with that or who started all of these things, but it's basically the application mm-hmm. of a serrated knife, be it side, slice, or tip, or you know whatever. So that that's what side scuff is to me. And it, it creates a more rough finish, which then catches air a little bit more.
0: Yes. <laughs> And we'll talk about one really specific method of side scuff called fishtailing. Uh, but before we do that, tell me, Sean, what what scuff are you currently using and for how long have you been using it? Okay. Well, Tom, feel free to jump in as well. But um, Well, I'll get see. to Tom. Don't worry about that. He's, <laughs> he's on the... When we talk about the experimenting part, he'll have the bulk of that. Good. Yeah, I'm still driving. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and then in that case, to fill time while Tom's on the road, I... I still love side scuff very much and I'm very passionate about using it, but it does create a variability. Uh, I've noticed for teammates, for throws from the field, for all sorts of different things. And I don't know, to be a member of a team of four or five and to be the only person who's really comfortable throwing that in every situation made me think, you know, how can I be a better teammate? What, what can I do differently? And also what, what pitches in my repertoire would come back stronger if I made a switch. So I'm actually using a, a Joe Maher ball, slap a ho ball. Which wow, that's many, ooh,
0: boy, that's that's a name from the archives.
1: <laughs> yeah, Joe Maher was this kid. He was about five four, and he threw about you know 105 miles per hour with or without a crow hop. And um, I remember the one day, <laughs> he's one of a couple people who has just driven to help me. Just randomly need someone for a tournament. Name pops up, get his phone number, and then the next day he's there. He once drove all the way from his home to a New York tournament to play with the lit sticks, and. He gave me a ball, which I use all weekend, which Dave Fisher eventually hit to the moon at the all-star game. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I still have the ball. And I remember about a year ago, wanting to get away a little bit from side scuff, wanting to have another option. And I went back to that ball and I modeled my current scuff off of it. And it's been wonderful because it, it just means different pitches, which I haven't really been able to utilize as much with side scuff because slider goes down, you know, just oddities about it. Um, are now an option with uh, the Maher ball. And it's kind of a variation of a Massachusetts Russ Heim scuff. Right. So y- y basic box pattern,
0: X's down the side. What's the bottom look like?
1: Um, it's, it's more like how Norris does um, the tall lines, where it kind of tapers off and okay. it doesn't go all the way to complete South Pole. Gotcha. Um, and that, that line goes up through the X's, which is really unique. And yeah, it, it meets
0: it meets the X's. It kisses the, the yeah. cross. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. I'm sure folks listening can actually see that. I, I know I can see it in my mind's eye. That is what I would call that that's as close to a standard scuff as you can get. There are some basic modifications, but for the most part, uh, it'll it'll produce what I like to refer to as true movement, right? Every pitch is traditional, uh, you know, n- n- no real confusion. Although, like you were kind of indicating, there might be some little bits in there that that. Maybe we'll have to get to in our next episode that
1: arise from the minor, minute changes that you make. And I've been experimenting with that, with box over box on top, because you know how the Massachusetts ball kind of works, where it's like two box patterns kind of crossed. Or yeah, it's like a square maybe, with
0: an X inside of it.
1: Maybe three. I think the variation there is then just how tight are the lines, how many lines, how many patterns over top to the point where yeah, it just some people go six, and crazy.
0: some go seven. I've seen people go nine. I've seen people go twelve. Uh, it really depends on, and of course you know, for for those who aren't familiar with scuffology, the more lines you put and the the thicker the ridges are, the loopier and bigger your movement is going to be. But of course, with that comes damage to the integrity of the ball, followed by, uh, you know, a a decrease in velocity. So there's factors to consider there. Hmm. All right. I'd like to turn now to Tom, who's certainly more new school when it comes to scuffology. He's one of the more uh, evil scientists when it comes to ideas. Tom, what what sort of scuff are you using? And I know, Tom, that you pitch in both yard and fast pitch, so let's stick to fast pitch because, in my opinion, that's the most pure form of whips. What scuff are you using for fast pitch right now, and how did you get there?
2: Uh, so the scuff I'm using now is uh... – I'm actually thinking about changing. So Trevor Bauer, not baseball Trevor Bauer, but wiffle ball Trevor Trevor Bauer from PLW. Yes, he actually came up with the idea of using steel wool uh, because we recently played in a tournament where you couldn't cut the ball, but you could scuff it. So he got a steel wool attachment for a drill, and I made some balls out of that where they're almost like a knife ball, where you know we still have the cross pattern and all that, uh, but it's not quite as defined as a cut ball. Uh, So I'm thinking about going to that. But the main ball that I used this past season is a ball cut by Dan Whitener. Uh, I just, Mm. I don't know. He's the balls. He cuts have always been my favorite ever since I've tried them for the first time. He cuts a ball that takes him about two minutes that, uh, you know, it takes Mm. me 20 minutes to cut a ball. That's even worse. Uh, So I haven't (laughs) cut a ball since like 2019. Uh, When I first started playing the first league I ever played in where you could scuff the ball was Palisades. And I showed up to Palisades with a bucket filled with brand new unscuffed balls. And I had some balls that I cheese grated the whole outside. It was basically a changeup without sticking your finger in the ball Mm -hmm. because it was so rough on the outside. It slowed down so much Uh, and it moved funny. So I actually kind of got by with that for a little while. Uh, And then I kind of figured out uh, Rob Laundrie. He's the first guy that gave me a good cut ball. So I kind of copied his pattern. Uh, I cut a ball similar to what Vin Lee uses. Now is what I was cutting myself. Mm and then I just sort of gave up with it. It just, you know, it hurt my hands and it took too long and I knew people that could cut a better ball. So that's kind of a, that's kind of uh, the main thing. And, you know, I still, I'm going to say it now, I still think stuffing is sham. I prefer when you can only throw a new ball out of the box.
0: Wow. Uh, And so could you, if you would uh, describe the whitener ball that you use, just the top and the sides and, and the bit on the bottom, if you will.
2: Yeah. The top is your standard box with like the diagonal line. So it's like a, you know, a box going both ways and then you got mm-hmm. three X's in between the holes. And then the bottom is your pretty standard. You got, you know, four vertical lines and then four horizontal lines in
0: between. I'm sure you guys have seen that. Yeah. Okay. So y- y'all are both using fairly standard scuffs now, again and I know that you personally, you're always looking for something new and innovative. I mean, you talked about steel wool. That one was new to me and I thought I knew everything for a good year I was actually using a a wood burner to melt the, the wiffle ball, which is interesting because it didn't produce any shavings and it maintained the integrity of the ball at a level that knifing did not. So those balls would last forever. And so for a while I was using that. And then, again, you alluded to this, I was using that ball and then coming over it with a cheese grater, which I believe was a technique invented by Eric Anderson back in like 2008. Um, I noticed, though, that the minute that a cheese grater ball experiences any sort of imperfection, it just loses its ability to move. So you have to have a bunch of them ready. And uh, maybe it's just my technique, but I, I, I couldn't get consistent movement. So I did move on from there. And then in, uh, I think, 2015, I found the scuff that I currently use, which is a scuff that I invented um, while during a manic episode of um, intoxication, we'll say. <laughs> I'll talk about that in a little bit. But the fr- before we get to that, I want to ask you all, what's the most unique Like thing or idea or technique that y'all have implemented when trying to like develop a better ball, Steffi. uh, I'll 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 let you go first.
1: The village idiot ball comes to mind, where it's the dimples, where they just oh the
0: dimples, yes. You know I'm talking about that. I saw that in
1: 2013 when we played them in quarterfinals in Georgia, and that was Mm. like a new thing to me. I had never seen that before. That was completely new. Uh, The wood burner. I remember you doing that, James. That was intricate there's been a lot of interesting advancements um uh, but the biggest thing for me that just blows my mind and this isn't like a technique it's more just a simplistic thing i always felt like the top of the ball was the most important but upon further reflection looking at my old videos even just testing other things i feel like the bottom half of the ball actually is the first activation point for the movement we all understand wiffle ball to be which is away from the holes so like Mm -hmm. just just the right bottom scuff and pattern on the bottom half of the ball makes so much of a difference for enhancing that movement whereas like in between the holes we're talking like 10 percent or 20 percent of the movement top of the ball maybe another 20 but i feel like at least 50 of it is the bottom half so seeing people do different creative things there be it curving or swirling the lines agler used to do that he used to do like lines that arced mm-hmm. in a certain way in a in almost like a clockwise pattern um, that's always intricate to see uh hopefully that answers the question what, what do you oh, think it- tom
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Tom, tell me about the most creative or what I might call offensive thing that you've tried. Uh, well, something that I haven't really
2: implemented yet, but I really want to figure out is scuffing the inside of the ball. So I've talked to a lot of people about this different strategies, you know, uh, putting some sharp rocks in there and shaking it up, using some dental tools to reach through the holes. But I mean, think about it if, if scuffing the outside of the ball makes it move even more the complete other direction, you have to imagine the inside surface is also going to make a big difference.
0: You might think, um, I, I did try that abomination that you suggested. And unfortunately it really didn't do much of anything. I used dental tools to create a series of, uh, you know, it was a rough kind of sloppy checker on the inside top portion. And then some X's on the inside portion. Now you could argue that I didn't get the ridges sharp enough. It was my first time ever, but they were in there and unfortunately it didn't do much. And then I scuffed. So I did that with a clean outside, nothing changed. And then I scuffed the outside to see if anything was different. And it was just a normal regular ball at that point. So I don't know what's going on. It might be that Uh, maybe like you said, Tom, you got to put some sharp rocks in there and like really bang it up or, or get those ridges extra thick for the inside. But when I tried it, I didn't have anything really going on. uh, And I've also heard video has buried a ball before. Yeah, he has done that. Did you have the inside deteriorate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you do that, you have to, you have to be using, I mean, like I think about like, um, there are some like techniques for cooking stews and, uh, like soups where you uh, bury a clay pot underground. And if you don't do it for the exact amount of time, you fuck the soup up. And it's kind of like that with, with a wiffle ball. If you bury a ball, you got to know exactly how long it needs to be in there. And if you do it wrong, you're it's going to come out and it's going to be like tissue paper.
1: I used to do that on state of mind because probably the first year I played with Lannigan, he had a very specific vision for the way he wanted to pitch the movement he wanted. And just being the young, you know, excited teammate that I was, I, was like, I can sure. figure this out. I just need to find the right type of soil, find the right amount of time to, you know, mm-hmm. slight scuff in this way, bury, crinkle, clean off, go. And it, I mean, mixed results. Uh, I don't want to give away Danny's prior or current techniques, but um, yeah, that was definitely an example of a type of player who has a vision for, they want this movement. And then mm-hmm. the fun pursuit of trying to figure out how to copy and create that movement. When you mentioned dirt, I was like, Oh, yep. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: you have provided a natural transition into the next space that I want to get into, which is, well, like what scuffs do what things? And the answer to that question is actually quite complex. Um, you mentioned, Tom, that Bob Laundrieu is a guy who gave you your first like proper clean ball. Now, back when I watched Bob do his scuffing, I don't know if he does it very much anymore, but back when he did, Bob used a lot of very thin lines thin, close in between precise lines. And when you do that, you're going to get a ball that slides quite well. You're going to get a ball that rises quite well. The drop won't be super sharp. You're not going to be able to like bury that drop in the dirt, but your drop curve might be quite good. And you'll probably have a decent super curve. And as long as you can throw your changeups, you'll be in a good space. As opposed to the scuffs that I use, which are much heavier, those have natural screw to them and natural drop to them. And the change-ups are s- super exaggerated but they're bad if you throw hard because it takes a a substantial amount of velocity off of the ball. So, I mean, Sean, uh, as you know, one of the like original flamethrowers, have you experimented with uh, harder versus softer scuffs, which do you prefer? Do you value velocity over movement
1: or do you, do you equate them? Um, I've always felt like I throw hard enough that having the movement then helps. Uh, I mean, Mm. it's a choice. You have to consciously say like, hey, I know I'm going to have X amount of movement today. I need to make sure I have the velocity to back it up that way. Mm. You know, 101 becomes 98 instead. Um, Made me think of a story, though. In 2017, d gave me an incredible gift. He played on a field with about an 18 mile per hour headwind directly in his (laughs) face. And he came up to me after the game and he said, hey, you need to, to stop what you're doing and scuff your ball about one third the amount you regularly just trust me. And that was the ball I used in the championship that year in 2017. He was absolutely mm-hmm. right because he understood the conditions. He went out there and tried to execute and just did not have a fun time. And then, you know, being the good, you know, Blue Razor affiliate that he is, former Razor myself, he was just like, hey, this will, you just trust me, you need this. And then to get back to the general topic of, you know, velocity versus movement, I was just thinking about the Wiffaholics from maybe, what era was that, 2000 and. 16 nah, a little bit before that maybe 20 2013 2012 that era when they mm. had Philkins when they had Painter when they had Noter and the mm. variety of scuffs on that team was oh, just yeah. insane the 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 light scuff of of Philkins throwing a 100 you have Noter's you know twist ball where he turns it just a little bit and suddenly it's going down into the dirt you got Painter doing these three lines all the way across the back <laughs> Um, yeah I don't think I've ever met a team of more diverse pitchers than those gentlemen and that's not even counting like Jay because Jake can pitch too and and Benson Tim Benson was a traditional box pattern guy sure um, of course I just know for me I I don't opt to minimize movement I look to utilize my my velocity and maximize the movement because I just mm. don't feel like that's a standard combo whereas mm. like other pitchers just want to be more like a baseball power pitcher um, right. I feel I feel like both together is a rarity someone like Thompson did it very well
0: if you recall Oh, of course yeah and I was just watching that footage that you sent me was really really good stuff uh Tom where do you fall on the importance of like deeper loopier I'll say movement vis-a-vis the velocity lost by a, a heavy scuff like that yeah I'm always just looking to find
2: the ball that'll move the most I mean I don't really throw that hard to begin with so I don't think it makes that big of a difference. And I think I almost like when the ball slows down because it makes it hard to hit. I I think just because, you know, you're trying to predict where it's going to go and it starts slowing down on you. You know, it's almost like a changeup, even, you know, a changeup that's moving 85. Mm. Uh, But uh, yeah, I'm pretty much trying to get that, you know, really heavy scuff on the top the the holes side of the ball and then just really light lines on the bottom is the ball I'll usually gravitate towards. And, uh, just to jump back to the Rob laundry, yeah, laundry room ball, uh, <laughs> the ball he gave me, he, he kind of did these, uh, these swirls on the bottom and it had mm-hmm. three scratches on the very bottom of the ball. So it was definitely a, an interesting pattern, but I, I used that for a couple of years before I changed to use anything else. And, uh, another, just another shout out to the steel wool ball. The thing I like about that is that it won't break. So if you find a ball you really love, you can use it all day and not really worry about it getting broken. You know, you get dented if someone hits it hard, but you just got to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, I, you, uh, RE, the bottom of the ball, uh, I think that there's two basic patterns that get used here. It's either like the lines, you'll have four lines, or you'll have eight lines, or it's the swirls, like you described, where it's kind of like a, uh, uh, almost like a spiral that starts at the, uh, you know, three maybe really large curving lines, and then you'll see something on the bottom, like an X or three lines like that. Uh, I oscillate between the two. I have same scuff on top, different scuff on bottom. Sometimes the weather indicates which one moves a little better. Which is to Sean's point, which is that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, Sean. But because uh, I j- just I'll get to it because I don't want to give credit to Connor, but I'll have to in a moment. Um, t- to Sean's point about knowing the environment, like there will be times where if the wind is at your back it's going to be hard to get a lot of movement no matter what you do. And so you're going to have to change your pitch selection and you should, you know, any good high quality pitcher should have, uh, you know, a series of backup scuffs for when the weather goes wrong, know what, what needs to come out, which scuff needs to come out for which situation. And I'll tell a story about myself there, but I will say one thing that's become incredibly popular on the bottom of the ball was as far as I know, first invented by Connor young, which is, sort of drawing a a face on the bottom of the ball. So you'll have your four lines and then you'll have like, if you picture like the, the emoji that would be done by typing dash underscore dash. So it's like each quadrant of the bottom of the ball is making that face ostensibly. And that is something that has spread like wildfire. I first saw Connor do it back in 2014 when he was playing for the crusaders with us and uh, I was using his scuff for like three years straight. I still use it. I I've, I've figured out how to do it on my own and I still use it, but uh, yeah, that, you know, gotta give credit where it's due that everybody seems to agree that that particular stuff on the bottom, either for superstitious reasons or for practical reasons appears to work. Are you talking about like the, the little arrows he puts on, like on the vertical lines? yeah yeah that like if you if you like look at one quadrant of the ball it looks like a like a kind of like a slanted face
2: i'm not sure i know what you're talking about you, you, but like i'm, I'm know, imagining like you know the ones where he kind of has like the
1: yes the little arrows going yeah it, it, it almost looks like about? yeah yeah
0: yeah. so if you okay, look at yeah. if you look at the lines it looks like it's an arrow but if you look at the quadrant of the ball it oh looks like the i see face. what you mean now okay yeah yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, so that's that's really gained popularity. Now, I'll talk about something because I kind of want to come back to the whole dimples thing because I forgot about that. That was 2013 in Georgia. Um, I picked up one of those balls, and I could not make it do anything. He was still using it at UF. Yeah, Trent That's General. That's sick. Yeah, when I, when I saw it, Mongo was throwing it. Um and I couldn't make it do anything and it really speaks to things like arm angle and velocity because y'all know I, I you know I throw slow on a purpose <laughs> the harder I throw the worse I get hit and I, that lesson was so badly reinforced to me I actually for our next episode I, I want to have the goon squad on to talk about this and and other things but. When I faced them, man, I came in, bases loaded, no one outs. I warmed up with a scuff ball and an unscuff ball. And an unscuff ball felt better on every metric. It felt like it was coming out a little bit harder, a little bit sharper. I felt like I had really good control with it. And they raked me off the field with that thing. And so mid-inning, I was like, shit, let me use a scuff ball. Came back throwing 55 with the scuff ball, and they couldn't hit it. So I played myself at this year's UWIPS for sure. Uh, but it really does speak to like learning, not just about like how to scuff, but about what scuffs work for you as a pitcher. Like Norris, who has like what I would describe as like the ultimate perfect scuff. It doesn't really work for me. Like I've used his balls. and It just just doesn't work. Uh, Didio's ball, which everybody rants and raves about. I don't really care for it. Yeah, I think it sucks. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Didio's ball, but most people love it. And a lot of it has to do with your style of pitching, your natural ability to like, I'm a drop baller by nature. I'm a changeup pitcher by nature. So are you, Tom. And, you know, that, that particular scuff is not for guys who throw like us, but it might be for a guy like, uh, uh, um, like Mike Stiles, who comes in throwing a trillion miles an hour, and you know doesn't really need to rely on the trickery and that that dideo ball will provide him with with what he needs uh, so really important point about that is when you're scuffing it's not just about the scuff but it's also about who you are and who's performing the scuff because my scuff the way that i interpret connor's scuff is different than the way connor does it produces different cuz it's two different guys right so there's like it's like poetry in the ball you know what i'm saying it, it it's like an artist like you give two artists the same canvas and tell them to paint the same thing you will get the same picture but it'll look totally different because it's by two different artists you know what i'm saying
2: yeah like the expression
1: yeah and then the application afterwards uh i remember the one year i really needed a ball and connor gave me one and i was my eyes lit up i was like this is amazing this is going to change my game i thanked him and then (laughs) after a batter i just lost it and it was nothing yeah. on the ball. It was a hundred percent on me. I didn't know how to use it. And I thought I did just from warmups. And I had mm-hmm. to switch. I had to switch because I was just like, this ball is amazing. And it's it's too much movement for me. And I just can't use it. Um, and yeah. all this got, got me thinking about something in the gaming industry where we talk about meta. And I don't know. I just feel like wipple ball as a whole has outliers in, in terms of people who don't do one of these standard scuffs, the eight, the four, mm. you know, the the emoji on the bottom, whatever and every once in a while someone comes along with something completely different and when that happens it either goes completely unnoticed or there's a great amount of success associated with it thinking like what ryan mcelrath does with sandpaper ball sandpaper ball was from what i understand incredibly common in the early 2000s yes it went completely away and now it's back with like two one or two people and it's cool to see something like that just become so dominant just out of the blue uh, the way unscuffed did for a couple years there. And then it seemed like everybody started throwing unscuff, and that meta sort of shifted. Um, yeah. This is yeah, interesting to me.
0: And It's the same thing with pitch selection too, right? There's, there's always been a pitching meta, right? Like when the, remember when the screwball was really big in like 2008 and then all of a sudden everybody learned how to throw a super curve in 2011. Right. And that's right around when change-ups became super popular. And then it was all about like the cut riser. Right. And then, and then it, then it was all about the unscuffed ball for a little while. And, and now we're kind of back to a space where it's like, hey, can you throw a really good riser? Like, if you can throw a really good riser, you might be able to get some guys. I mean, like Miguel Rath's coming out here throwing a two-seamer. It's a, a fucking baseball pitch. Getting guys yeah, out. sandpaper ball is weird. It's a weird ball. And, and what will happen is eventually guys are going to be like, well, I can do that. And then the yeah the, the meta will shift. It'll get nerfed. And then something new and unusual will take over. Because exactly, because it'll become more common and guys will see it more, which was, again, the mistake that I made in choosing that unscuffed ball against the team that had been hitting unscuff all year. I thought I was being cute and I, I I made a dumb move when in reality I should have done the thing that has kept my ERA so low in championship tournaments for years. I, I yeah, like I said, I played myself, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, eventually everyone's going to be just changing balls every inning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that yes. really is the future. If your control is so good that you can maximize three or four different cuts, it's almost like, Oh, we got to get him this inning. Why? Cause it's not going to be using this again. Yeah. I've been yeah. telling
2: people in mid Atlantic to do that. Cause I mean, you only have to get two strikes. I mean, it's not like you have to have perfect command of all the balls, but having the different right. every inning, very frustrating for the team.
0: Yes. Okay. That's, I mean, NAW is a little bit of a different animal there, but I point taken for sure. Um, As it relates, I mean, we've we've only got a a couple of minutes left, but in that time, I do want to say that, you know, like I said, this is going to be a multi-part series. So what I want to be talking about in the future is how to best go about scuffing in a way that works for you. I want to talk about my scuff, what I call the HGS, the Holy Ghost scuff. I want to talk a little bit about some of the more traditional patterns. And so maybe we'll get some of the older school guys on here. And I want to get, some of the more new school guys. I really want to get Bauer on here to talk about that steel wool ball. I want to try it out. It sounds very interesting. And uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, there will be multiple installments of, of this, and this is just the first one. And uh, fuck you, Didio, come on the show and talk about it. You stupid bum. Hmm? How about that?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Another thing I want to mention, something I haven't really been able to do just because I'm not good enough at cutting it, is instead of doing the box and the X's on top, having two
0: spirals going in opposite directions i think that'll kind of have the same effect it'll just look way cooler uh steffi you gave me a ball that looked similar to that back in 2011 i don't think it was exactly like that but i remember looking at it and being like oh this is offensive
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i was trying a lot of different things i think i have two or three of those big garden tubs of just random scuffs just sitting in an attic somewhere but um yeah I, i gravitated away from that too yeah. I've also tried like X's on the bottom, giant X's on the bottom. That
0: doesn't really seem to make any, any much of a difference. Andrew Stone things. uses that. Andrew yeah. Stone, he does like,
2: it basically like the kind of like traditional or like the whitener ball I was talking about, mm. but instead of the horizontal lines, he just has a big X in between each line on the bottom. And yeah, it, it, does, it doesn't it, work for me, but it works great for him.
0: Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem to change a whole lot. It is what it is. Um, I want to talk about some more specific knifing techniques. I want to talk about painting. I want to talk about, Side scuffing. I want to talk about fishtailing and I want to talk about carving. I want to talk about the difference between moving the knife versus moving the ball because same angle, different movement will produce different scuffs. So there's a lot of shit to talk about. So if you or someone you know is interested in talking about scuffology or you think you can hang with the likes of us, let me know. Maybe you'll come on the show if I'm in a good mood, but that's all the time that we've got. So I want to thank Sean and Tom for coming on and introducing this topic. We will get into the nitty gritty moving forward in a big way. Thanks, fellas. nice